RadioInfluence.com. Author, conservative activist David Horowitz raises the curtain and rips the veil off the Democratic Party, vocally proclaiming it to be the enemies of we the people on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available on RadioInfluence.com or your favorite podcast platform. A great way to show your support is by subscribing to this podcast Give it a rating and leave a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the broadcast. Imagine being raised by communist parents in Queens, New York, then becoming a full-blown Marxist as an adult. That's a recipe for disaster, right? Normally so. But David eventually found his way and flipped the script to become a beacon of conservatism, fearlessly calling out Democrats for their anti-American agenda. How was Horowitz able to make the transformation from communism to conservatism when so many others can't? Let's get into it. He is Jewish and was raised in Queens, New York, not far from where I live right now, by high school teaching parents who were communists. So it shouldn't come as a surprise that David Horowitz initially went the Marxist socialist route as an adult. Fortunately, His journey didn't end there as Horowitz eventually found his way and has become an outspoken beacon of conservatism. He is the founder of the David Horowitz Freedom Center and the editor of Front Page Magazine. He has published more works than you can count and written a bevy of cage-rattling books, among them Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America, and Big Agenda, President Trump's Plan to Save America. His latest best-selling book is entitled, I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. He was on my show when it was live. I am glad to have him back now on the podcast, one of the left's worst reoccurring nightmares. I welcome to the show, David Horowitz. Well, thank you for that introduction. Well, you're welcome, David, and you deserve it because you 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 blast the truth out in megadoses. Now, I just had one of your buddies on a recent podcast, Jamie Glazoff, and he was talking about how there's so many people on the right that thought Barack Obama just was wrong, but he loved America, and how Kamala Harris and Biden, they're just stupid. They don't know what they're doing, and how Pelosi and all the people on the left Oh, they love America. They love the Constitution. They're just getting it wrong. What say you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. Barack Obama is a communist and a traitor. Um, He knows just what he's doing. He's destroyed our military. People don't realize. And and the IRS, he politicized the IRS and he's politicized the military when they were supposed to be planning the withdrawal from Afghanistan, they instead were indoctrinating the troops in a hate America theology, uh, the 1619 Project, which says that America was created not in 1776 uh, behind a, a battle cry of freedom, but in 1619 with the importation of 20 African slaves. Um, of course, they weren't slaves. They were indentured servants like the 
most of the Virginia labor force, which was all, all the rest of it was white. Indentured servitude is a five to seven year servitude to pay for your passage to the new world. There were no slaves in Virginia then, and it wasn't part of America. America, You have to be racist to say America was founded in 1619. You ignore the fact that we fought, uh, what was it, an eight-year revolutionary mm-hmm. war? Um, <laughs> it, what's happened to our country is so tragic and depressing. Um, the only good thing is all these grassroots people who are popping up to fight the fascist power in Washington. I mean, these people are, you know, whether you use communist or fascist, there's really no difference between the two. Um, they hate free speech. They want to create a one-party state. I've written a whole book about their agenda of creating a one-party state. It's called The Enemy Within. Um Dark agenda is about the war to destroy Christian America. America was founded, 98% of the colonists, the settlers, were Protestants, uh, Protestant Christians. Um, And the Protestant Reformation, its kind of chief uh, uh, value was what they called the priesthood of all believers. Uh, You don't get the, the government, neither the government nor any church tells you whether you're saved or not or controls your conscience. Um, that makes everybody equal, including black slaves, which is why America led the world in ending slavery. Americans have nothing to be ashamed about. They inherited slavery from the British and within 73 years at the cost of 360,000 mainly white lives and our greatest president uh, freed the slaves. Um, You know, all you hear from the left is 400 years of slavery. It wasn't 400 years of slavery. It was 73 years of slavery from 1787 when America, they want to erase the actual creation of America. if you, if you count from 1787, unless my arithmetic is really bad, and go to 1865, I think you get 73 years. Um, uh, anyway, why do they hate religion and why do they hate Christianity and they hate the whole, you know, Jews as well? Um, because people who believe in a higher power worship the higher power and not the state. They want to replace God. And it doesn't matter if you're an agnostic the way I am or not. They want to replace the idea of a divinity uh, with the idea of the state. And so the state under Nancy Pelosi is now going to tell you who who's a woman and who's a man. Uh, and whether you whether abortion is murder or whether it's a, a right of a woman to her body, although no, nobody's ever been able to explain to me how a baby is, is your body, your body. Right. Uh, I don't get that. Um, but you know, maybe I'm particularly dense. Anyway, 
that book has been a bestseller for three years. Amen. Um, and let's talk about that for a second. Since you brought up the enemy within first, the name of the book, people, you should read this book, the enemy within how a totalitarian movement is destroying America. And within that book, here is a quote from David. Everything Democrats and their allies did with the power they had won showed that their ultimate goal was not to replace or destroy one man in office or to win one election, but to establish a one party state. Please explain to people yeah. what they mean by that. Well, they hate the First Amendment. I mean, you don't have the freedom uh, to express yourself. Um, you don't have the freedom to hold your views and not the state's views or to express yourself. You, you don't, you're not going to have any freedoms very shortly um, because the only way you can def defend your freedoms is by the powers of the First Amendment. Um, the Democrats, well, look at the January 6th. They turned the January 6th into the Reichstag fire. Hitler was elected uh, in the Weimar Republic. And the first thing the Nazis did was they set fire to the Reichstag, which was their capital, um, blamed it on the communists, and used that um, to set up the legal foundations of the Third Reich. And that's exactly what uh, Nancy Pelosi is trying to do with the January 6th mess. I mean, there were, they want, well, they've got 750 people they're going to try, people who just wandered into an open building. Uh, and we don't know who opened the building. It could have been the FBI, it could have been Antifa. Um, after all, Trump conservatives are patriots. They love America. They didn't burn the Capitol. They loved the Capitol. They didn't burn, destroy anything in the Capitol the way the left would have uh, has done with all its demonstrations, destroyed American monuments and so forth. Um, the idea is to uh, smear all opponents of the Democrats as domestic terrorists. I think it's 61% of Democrats actually believe that um, Trump, the, you know, all Republicans are racist. Where did they get that idea? From the liars in the Democrat Party. I think everybody is still shocked by the way the Democrats lie about everything. Absolutely everything. They're incapable of describing anything uh, factually. And they use it to demonize. If you're demonizing your opposition, if you're saying that everybody who disagrees with you is a traitor or a, or a racist or a white supremacist, um, you've destroyed democracy right there. Democracy is, is based on a tolerance for people who disagree with you and you agree to settle things by elections and not rigged elections like the last one. Mm -hmm. David, how are they getting away with this? They're doing this in broad because daylight in front of everybody. How are they pulling this off? Conservatives and Republicans are too damn polite. 
First of all, they're complacent. They don't think that it's possible for people to be idiots on mass and support the kind of policy. I mean, who would think who would think that you you would have as part of your agenda uh, letting violent criminals out of prison? Who who would even think about it? And and how do Republicans respond? They say Democrats are soft on crime. They're not soft on crime. They're pro crime. And <laughs> they, they think they think that all criminals are black or people of color and therefore innocent. They support criminality. Uh, you know, we got we're going to get a Supreme Court justice who defends pedophiles. <laughs> you know, just put that in your pipe and smoke it. I think that it's very hard for conservatives um, to understand how malicious people can be. I, I don't, I don't uh, see any other way of understanding it. There's Nancy Pelosi has malice in her heart. The idea that they've got people in jail who did nothing but trespass. And they haven't even tried them. And they haven't tried. Yeah. They, they, this is the way Putin operates. And Xi Jinping and Stalin. That's the Democrat Party today. And it happens which I describe in several of my books. It happened in 1968 when Tom Hayden, who was a malicious son of a bitch, whom I knew personally, um, organized a riot at the Democrat convention to destroy the election chances of Hubert Humphrey, who was a down-the-line liberal, except he had one committed one big sin, which was he was an anti-communist. And the left supported the communists. Um, so they staged a riot. Trump, uh, Humphrey lost the election, and Hayden and Jane Fonda led the left into the Democrat Party. And they spent the next 50 years taking it over uh, successfully with the election of Barack Obama, who was raised by communists. His mentor was a Soviet agent. Um, and uh, you know, he, he was very deceptive character, claiming that there was, you know, not a blue America or a red America, but the United States of America and a lot of crap like that. Uh, in his second term, he showed his true colors by endorsing a criminal organization of racists, Black Lives Matter, uh, who had torched 220 American cities uh, killed dozens of people um, and stole tens of millions of dollars in the name of black people. You want to talk about the exploitation of the black community? That's what Black Lives Matter is about. Stealing, there was over $100 million contributed to them, and they all put it in their personal pockets. Um, and of course, they're endorsed by the Biden administration and embraced by the Democrat Party. Uh, we have a criminal fascist regime in America today. Um, you know, they're somewhat limited, uh, on, but not too much, by the fact that this is America. We still have laws and uh, we have a constitution which is daily being violated, but it's still there and it, it 
empowers people to fight back. Uh, we're not Soviet Russia yet, but that's where they're driving. I mean, who do you think these idiots like uh, AOC and Ilhan Omar are? They, they support the terrorists. These are terrible, evil people. And uh, of course, all our media is either uh, transmitting their messages or just averting their eyes from their reality. You I, know, I, you I got that right. That, some, that yeah. somebody who's as empty headed as Cortez could be a congressperson, let alone have whatever she has, 8 million Twitter followers and uh, and be in the leadership of the Democrat Party. It's scary, it's isn't it? It's, it's scary. Know, it's, yeah, it's scary. It's, it's a racist party. It appoints people on the basis of their race and ideology. Um, so what we have is a kind of inversion of what they think they're doing. Elect the first black uh, or appoint the first black Vice President and Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris is an embarrassment to Black and Asian people. Uh, she's a, I, I don't know if you, every day she produces another example of how empty headed she is. And it's actually shockingly stupid. Um, she's a master of saying nothing, pretending to say something. Well, she shouldn't say anything because the more well, she yes, says, she the, the, the worse she the sounds. Democrat, the Democrat Party calls America white supremacist. The richest ethnic group in America are Asians, and they and they their average income is twenty thousand dollars more than the average white income. Well, I think whites are about ninth on the list. Kamala Harris comes from the highest caste in India. Right, and uh, yeah, they're all multi-millionaires. Uh, we have crime family running the country in, in the Bidens. It looks like uh, you know the worm is turning on Hunter Biden, which is good. I hope he takes them all down with him. Well, he's capable now. Since you went down this rabbit hole about Black America. Please explain why you wrote the book, I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America, because it most well, certainly well, is, because CTR, critical race theory, is the latest evil to come down to pike to try and divide us. Yeah, look, um, let's, let's, there are several hoaxes involved here. Black Lives Matter uh, and, and its brainless followers like LeBron James say there's a hunting season out there for blacks. And it's just blacks are being picked off the streets and killed for the color of their skin. The truth is that there's no more protected community in America than the black community. There you go. Uh, if you're black, you can join a hundred other blacks and loot Macy's and Neiman Marcus uh, and never spend a day in jail. There's no other ethnic group that could do that. You just get away with murder. And the person who pointed this out to me is a black police officer in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, hoax. There, there was no racial element. Uh, George Floyd wasn't killed because he was black. He was 
<laughs> he died because he ingested four times the lethal dose of fentanyl <laughs> and was out of his gourd when he was arrested and already suffocating. I can't breathe, uh, which is supposed to uh, imply that police were choking him to death. Um, but that phrase, I can't breathe, if you looked at the video cams of the arresting officers, it did not include the cop with the knee on the neck, Derek Chauvin. Um, you'll see that not, police weren't even touching him when he was screaming and couldn't breathe. He was out of his gourd because of the fentanyl in his system, which attacks, it's a hundred times more powerful than morphine and it attacks your lungs. Also, you can't suffocate a human being by putting your knee on the side of his neck. Um, you just can't do it. There's no windpipe there. What's there are blood vessels, and it's a standard technique in the Minneapolis Police Department um, to take a prisoner who's high on drugs and likely to be a danger to himself and others, and by pressing uh, the blood vessel. Uh, you cause them to lose consciousness and therefore be safe. Uh, When the trial of Derek Chauvin, of course, it was a show trial. Uh, It was just a lynching. There's no way he could have been acquitted because everybody had in their mind, if he's acquitted, there's going to be riots all over the country. Well, David, before we go any further, David, I have to ask you a question because maybe you can answer this because this is what I don't understand. Now, I'm a black American, so this is one thing I don't understand. I understand the Michael Browns and the uh, George Floyds are few and far between. But why is it that every time you're trying to calm things down, something happens that is shot on a video that looks suspicious. It doesn't happen that often, but if the cops understand that the left is looking to use this to stoke a race war, why do they fall prey by shooting some guy in the back or even having a knee on a guy or whatever it may happen to be? Wait, 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 wait. Let's go back to the knee. And and then we'll do the shooting in the back. I, that, that's Blake you're talking about in Kenosha. I'm just talking about in general. Uh, Why do we have these no, bad but No, but I, I look, um, if you don't have a copy of my book, call my office and get one. Because I go over the 26 cases. I happen to be one of the few conservatives I know who feel that uh, George Zimmerman, who shot um, Trayvon Martin, should have was guilty of manslaughter. I've taken a lot of flack. Right. This is why I asked you the question. question. Yes. Okay. So, so if if you look at the way I analyze the twenty six, I don't think you'll find fault with my analysis. Um, but the D, Minneapolis, the police chief is black and a Democrat. The whole city council, there are 12 Democrats and a Green Party member. The DA is a Democrat. Uh, a Democrat. The prosecutor, the chief prosecutor in the Chauvin case, in the George Floyd case. Uh, Keith Ellison is black mm-hmm. 
and and was a spokesman for Louis Farrakhan for for ten years. Um, and uh, Ellison was interviewed by sixty minutes right after the trial verdict came in. And the 60 Minutes interviewer asked him, was there a racial dimension to the death of George Floyd? And this is what Keith Ellison said. This is a direct quote. No, we couldn't find one. And you know damn well he looked. If you watch the trial, no evidence was presented that this guy was a racist. He was married to a woman of color. She was Asian. But racists don't make a distinction between the racial groups they hate. Um, uh, he, he was race. There was no effort even to show that Chauvin intended to kill uh, Floyd, and this is standard practice in this very liberal police department in a very liberal city. It was standard practice in the previous five years. I, I forget the exact figures, but I think there were 200 cases where they used the knee on the neck. Mm -hmm. It was, and nobody died because you can't choke somebody to death with a knee on the side of the neck. Um, let's take the Breonna Taylor case. You know, Oprah spent a quarter of a million dollars taking out billboards. Implied that the cops say that they should be charged, obviously, with murder, saying that she was killed in her sleep. This is all Black Lives Matter propaganda. Mm -hmm. uh, lies. And she wasn't even a health worker at the time. She hadn't been for three years. But she was was a criminal accomplice right. to a major drug dealer in Louisville. Now, what was this guy's business? It was poisoning the black community with heroin. And she assisted him. She used her house. She let him use her address, which made her part of his distribution system. There were five raids that night of people who were part of his distribution system. The cops came to the door. Uh, also, she used her bank account to hide his criminal earnings, if you will. Um, you know, look... She evidently was in love with him at some point. People, you know, we all do stupid things for reasons of the heart. Um, but that doesn't erase the fact that she did them. Uh, she rented a car in which a dead body appeared. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and it was part of the trial for that reason. That should have been warning enough to her to stay away from this guy. She was in contact with him, I think, that actually that week. Uh, the cops came at, at night, uh, and uh, they had a no-knock warrant, but they didn't. They not only knocked, they shouted with mm -hmm. the police. Uh, Breonna Taylor and her new boyfriend got out of bed and went into the hallway. That's where she was killed. She was killed standing in front of him, right. and her boyfriend Human opened fire yeah. and, and wounded the cop. These cops... They have families that they want to go home to. So, you know, it's standard. It's called pray and spray. When you're shot at and you can't see who's shooting at you or how, how many people, you pray and spray and hope that it neutralizes uh, the person. So, you know, what, would the, what could the cops have done differently?
Yeah, actually, no, I, I understand. The guy I, who was shot wrote a whole book called 12 Seconds yeah. at Midnight, something like that. Um, but, but Christ, man, People need to you check know, your me, book out here. A, right. Give me a case, but uh, here's one. Um, Tony McCabe in Florida was a transgender fellow or girl, whatever he was. But he had an affair with a white woman who had a black son who was 21 years old. And he was crazy, this guy McCabe. And one day, I mean, they got into an argument and he pistol whipped her. So her family beat him up. So he made a video, which is on the internet, warning that he was gonna kill them as a revenge for the way they treated him. And that he was also gonna commit suicide by by taking a, a, a gun with him. Because he knew when the cops saw the gun, they would pray and spray, <laughs> they would shoot him. This is all on video. And he went over to the house and he knifed the black son, the 21-year-old, and killed him. And then he brandished his gun when the cops came and they killed him. So what, what are the, and Black Lives Matter, made the, of course, because they're, transsexual and whatever they are. Uh, um, uh, he, he, they held demonstrations because he was quadruply oppressed, you know, as a black, as a transgender, whatever, or doubly oppressed. Black people aren't marginalized in America. Black people, are the, the black community is the center of national attention. And has been since Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech. Let's remember that King is the only human being who's been honored with a holiday in his name. And they took it away from Lincoln and, and uh, Washington. Imagine that. I mean, the, the idea that this country is white supremacist is so ludicrous and so racist in itself. You know, it's... Anyway. Yeah, well, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because this is the premise. This is all the premise of this book that people need to read. I Can't Breathe, How a Racial Hoax is Killing America. It exposes Black Lives Matter for who and what it is. And it talks about the treason party, which is the problem that our country refuses to face. Please explain who the treason party is. Let me just say that the good news is that 80% of the black community rejects Black Lives Matter and is supportive of police and understands that the police are the thin, thin line that protects inner city poor people, uh, lots of them black. I, I, I you know, I, I've been around a long time now and uh, I see a sea change. I, I realized about 30 years ago that because uh, I've written like three books on race, um, defending, of course, Martin Luther's Martin Luther King's vision, which which was an American vision, uh, it completed the unfinished American Revolution, which was to treat all individuals equally. Uh, you know, that's a that's a very hard thing to do because of what human beings are. And they're bigoted from birth, 
you might say. The, the idea well, we that, would say that's a product of the fall. So, yeah, I agree. Exactly. Exactly why they hate religion. Because religion, true religion is conservative. Not that, not that all religious people are. Um, because it understands that we're fallen uh, and that we're the problem. Not society, not races, not patriarchies. It's individual Us. human beings. There you go. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole basis of the divide. Treason. Where do I begin? Well, if Xi Jinping were directing Joe Biden, what would Joe Biden have done differently in his catastrophic withdrawal from Afghanistan? Nothing. You don't have Yeah, exactly. You don't have to go to a military academy to understand when you have been in a country for 20 years and encouraged women to go to school, which is forbidden by their bigoted um, Muslim faith, uh, when you use them as translators and allies and they come out and then you're going to decide that you're going to withdraw from their country, you don't withdraw the troops first. The first thing you do is see that these people can get to safety. And then you withdraw the troops. <laughs> you don't turn over a military base with a, whatever it has, $100 billion of, a, of a advanced equipment in it uh, and a prison which held five to 7,000 um, seasoned terrorists. You just don't do things like that. You don't, and it doesn't take rocket science to understand that. Uh, our general, uh, General Austin, the Secretary of Defense in particular, but all the generals went along with him, uh, were indoctrinating the troops in critical race theory. In other words, telling, telling them, right, these are all volunteers to risk their lives to protect us, telling the white troops that they're racist and, you know, making, sowing distrust in the ranks. Of, I mean, if you were an enemy, you know, that's exactly what you would do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And they, they, they had a two-month stand-down, thanks to General Austin, instead of preparing for this dangerous withdrawal that was devoted to you know, indoctrinating them in the wisdom of uh, Ibram Kendi and uh, what's her name, Beverly D'Angelo and all these racists, anti-white racists, <laughs> many of them white. That's why well, I, I think white people who are anti-white racists are pathetic, and I'm sure most black people do too. Just terrible. Anyway, so there's treason for you. Um, Biden, the first thing, one of the first things he did in office was to restore, uh, I think it was a hundred billion dollars in funding for Palestinian terrorists. Um, he's now got, well, Russia is massacring the Ukrainians. He's got them as the lead, uh, negotiator or arbitrator for talks with these Iranian terrorists, a terrorist regime that killed so many Americans, thousands of Americans. Every IED 
when you see a wounded warrior on television, every one of them uh, practically was blown up by an IED supplied by Iran. These are a hateful, hate, it's a hateful regime. Uh, this is not true of all Iranians um, who suffer under this regime. I mean, the chief oppressors of Palestinians, the Hamas, um, the Hamas terrorist regime and the PLO, Palestinian Authority. Um, anyway, I, I, you know, uh, what can I say? Obama, America was the major power in the Middle East, the external power until Obama came along. If you remember, he threw a red line in the same mm-hmm. thing, and then they didn't enforce the red line and uh, turned the whole Middle East turned over to Russia. If that's not treason, I'm, you know, got to have another look. I hear you. I hear you. So, David, do we have the stones to do anything about this? Like, uh, do like where all this stuff is becoming public? Do we have the ability to win this this war of subversion? Like, do we have the people in place, or do we as I a nation that, have the courage to eventually get these people out and try them for exactly what they're doing? Well, we're going to be tested there. I, I, again, from my long term perspective, when I came into the the right 40 years ago. The first thing I did when I looked around and said, where's the ground army? The left has all these organizations that harass politicians and threaten CEOs and, and get, you know, intimidate people into supporting them. I mean, you have some of the most racist statements coming out of Disney and Apple. Uh, racism is now defined as exclusively a white pariah. It's just, it's, it's insanity. Um, but that's because of the agitation of the leftist ground army. Whereas there, there was no ground army 40 years ago. And it's only recently the, the Tea Party was his first manifestation mm-hmm. of some grassroots movement. And then Trump has called it to be, I mean, these rallies he's holding are creating a massive ground army. And then you have, um, finally, I, I wrote five books on the communist takeover of the schools. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's only re- with critical race theory that it's wake people up. The left never knows when to stop. <laughs> and hopefully it, it's exceeded its grasp here and exposed itself. Um, so I, I see a lot of positive things in that. And also, uh, I, I'm very impressed by young black leadership all over the country. I mean, it, it's just, you know, the Winston the Sears and John James. and um, I forget the name of the black attorney general in uh, Kentucky. But these, these people are incredibly articulate and courageous um, because so much hate is directed at them by these hateful racists on the left. Um, So I'm I'm very encouraged. And this is true of the younger generation of conservatives generally. We have more fighters uh, and we have more fighters in Congress than we 
you know, are used to. But they're, they're still way behind. David, I want to, David, David, I, I, I'm with you. I, be, I want to believe that we should be encouraged. But here's my problem. Please tell me about this. You've had, we're seeing this groundswell of, of the new black movement. But think about the last 15 years alone. Everything that we've seen, everything that we've seen going on in this country, when it comes time to pull the lever on election day, blacks and secular Jews vote over 90% from the Democrat for the Democrat Party. Do you see that changing? I don't know about the Jews, unfortunately. The secular ones, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. The Orthodox Jews are very conservative. Right. Um, but I, I think it's changing among I blacks hope you're and right. Hispanics. And Hispanics, because Democrat power, the border is turning mm-hmm. Hispanic America to the right. I mean, the victims of the Democrats are black, and the main victims are black and Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a wake-up call. The, the, the attacks on and it, the left's timing is really bad. If they had tried this 50 years ago or before the Civil Rights Act, they might have succeeded. But here they try. They're attacking the police when practically the every chief of police in every major city is, is black. black. Right. And the mayors are all back. And unfortunately, they're Democrats. So they, they, they encourage the violence. It's just terrible. But, but I, all that is, I think there's a wake up call for the black community. And it's obvious in the, the way they responded so quickly and rejected the defunding the police. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't finish a thought I started a while back. In, oh, I'm sorry. Go yeah. ahead. No, when I, no, it's my fault. When I, 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 as I say, I wrote three books about, uh, and, and actually this was taught to me by a Democrat consultant. He said that you, the Democrat Party is, is, is oppressing black people in every major city in America. There isn't a Republican in sight mm-hmm. in America's major cities. So every injustice in the inner city, Democrats are 100% responsible for and uh, I, I w- would write stuff with that perspective. And then I realized it's not going to wash coming from me. There has to be a black leadership. Uh, and, and now I see in the younger generation a lot of people who are very capable of leadership, which is a challenge in itself, um, who see this. You know, there was, I, I had this. A bad experience of um, a friend of mine who was black was the head of the NACP in uh, in Oakland, and uh, he saw and he had been brought up by all the Benjamin Hooks and all the these NACP uh, leftists, uh, and he saw that none of the Democrat policies were helping or actually working for black people. And so we endorsed Bush. I can't remember, probably the 2000 election. And I had another friend who was running for the chairmanship of the Republican Party, 
and I brought um, my friends, my black friends, and he, this this guy had gone to Grambling. I mean, he was so much out of the black community. They left us in the open NACP when he endorsed Bush, trying to remove him. And the National kept him in place because it was the chapter of the Oakland was the chapter of the NACP that contributed the most money to Washington. He was that good as a leader. And then some idiot Republican, oh, and I got my friend who was running for chairman to put him on the ticket and room for secretary of the party. And uh, my, uh, my, my friend who was running for chairman, or uh, this guy's name was Shannon. I, I, I don't think I should give his last name, but Shannon, um, my friend spent $100,000 getting himself elected chairman. Shannon spent nothing. And he campaigned for two weeks and he got more votes than my friend. But then some idiot in the Republican Party in a, a party newsletter wrote that it would have been better if the South had won the Civil War. And, you know, there's a lot, at the time, there were a lot of hustlers, black mm-hmm. hustlers. Still hustling are. The Republican, hustling the Republican Party. But Shannon was authentic. He had a base in the black community. And so he did what he would have to do, which was to attack um, the guy who wrote the article and the article. And the Republican Party reacted as though Shannon was a race hustler, not that guy. Um, and so he went off into the sunset. It was a tragic loss for the Republican Party. I don't think that would happen today. I hope um, you're right that these things are that we're getting ready to get this playing field leveled because we we you know we can't just keep going the way we're going. David, before we wind this up, you got to blow everybody's mind. Tell them about your background. You're like the only person I know that, if I read this correctly, was actually enrolled in a progressive preschool. Basically, your parents were getting. Oh no, that was a communist, progressive and communist. Right, that's where I was going to go. Right, that even from preschool, your families, your your parents, school teachers had you going that way. Tell them your background, how far you got steeped into Marxism, and how you came out of it. My parents were card-carrying communists, but I will tell you, as teachers. They did not indoctrinate their students in Marxist ideology the way they do now. Um, I know this because uh, as an adult, I was friends with a militant anti-communist journalist who had been one of my father's students. Uh, And I asked him if my father ever tried to indoctrinate them, and he said no. Um, I was a founder of the New Left president the creation. I edited the largest magazine of the left. Um, and uh, of course, I believed our propaganda. So I believed the police were racist. And uh, not that there were racist police, but as a, the, the Black Panther Party were a bunch of criminals is what they were. Um, but you were in favor of the Black Panthers back then. I, I was what? I raised a lot in of favor of the Black Panthers back then. Yeah, no, I believed our propaganda. I believed that they 
what we said was that they were persecuted because they right. were militants. Mm -hmm. They were persecuted because they were thieves and robbers and murderers. Um, and uh, in 1974, um, I had recruited, I had raised money and bought a Baptist church with 35 classrooms that became their headquarters in Oakland. Um, and in December, and I recruit, and they couldn't find a bookkeeper. I was worried stupidly that the government would shut them down um, because they were radicals and black. As I say, I believed our propaganda. If that were the case, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton would be in jail. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> uh, this is about Betty, right? But, but, yeah, so I yeah, I, that's a shame. Yeah, I, I recruited my bookkeeper at Ramparts to do the books, and uh, she disappeared in December, 1973. And by the time the police fished her body out of San Francisco Bay, I knew the Panthers had killed her. Um, and uh, that was really the end of my career in the left. It also coincided with America's withdrawal from Vietnam when the communists proceeded to slaughter the Vietnamese and the, and the uh, Cambodians. There wasn't a single anti-war protest of the communist atrocities. And uh, that showed me that I was among people who were evil. Their agenda, for whatever reasons, uh, were, had nothing to do with being anti-war, pro-peace, or pro-black for that matter because the Panthers preyed on the black community. Um, anyway, that was my exit from the left. How could you get out and so many others can't? Why is it you were able to find your way? I was a Democrat for the first 47 years of my life as a black American until I became a Christian, born again to Jesus. I, I, it changed. It completely revolutionized me. It changed the way I thought. You found your way out. Why is it so many can't find their way out? It's a very good question. First of all, you lose all your friends. I was 35 years old, and every friend that I ever had was turned against me because they were all part of the left community. Same here. Um, Got new ones. Yeah. Well, yeah. When it happened, I, I, I was depressed for a moment. I said, I, you know, how, can I put my life together at this point? I mean, I 35 seemed old to me then. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i could and i did um but uh, you know you have to wonder if there are any people who are friends on the left because if you if your politics deviates even christopher hitchens because he was mm -hmm. anti-abortion you know had people like uh, todd, todd gitlin writing articles saying he would never allow Christopher in his house again <laughs> because they disagreed about abortion. <laughs> the leftist mentality is gruesome when you think about it. How, how, how much do they hate you now? Because they know you know where all the skeletons are buried and you know what they're really about because not only were you one of them, but you were a significant one of them. Yeah, well, I... I, I was critically depressed after Betty's murder. 
for about seven years. And I deliberately was completely apolitical during the, I had to rethink everything. Um, it's interesting because I am an agnostic, but it occurred to me thinking about America um, that uh, if you if you don't believe in God, you have to have respect for religious people because if God didn't give us our rights, as the declaration said, if they're not God-given rights, if they're government-given rights, they could be taken away. There you go. Um, and that, that was the beginning of my, my change. And then it occurred to me also that the left never looks back. The left still thinks the Rosenbergs were innocent. <laughs> the left, the left it's, you know, if you're a leftist, it means never having to say you're sorry. Um, you know, the left supported the greatest mass murders in human history in Russia and in China. Um, but, you know, it's like the Democrat Party. They, they don't apologize for any of their lives or their atrocities. It's just terrible. They ruin people and, and think nothing of it um, because they're all, you know, well, leftism is a religion. It's a crypto religion, if you like. But it's the same thing. The world is a fallen place, um, and there's going to be a redemption. And what the, what the reason the left is so evil is because they think that they are the redeemers. Instead of a divinity setting things right, they think they can do it, and therefore that will justify any crime and any lie. Why, why do Democrats lie so much? It's because... It's the end is justify the means. It's for the good of the cause. I mean, they all know that they lied about the Russia collusion hoax, but they never apologize. And they know and the election people, was stolen. And they know the election was stolen. Not, nobody in his right mind can think that the election wasn't stolen. Mark Zuckerberg alone stole the election. <laughs> $400 million to get out the Democrat vote in a national election, which was won by 0.027% of the vote. 0.027, the narrowest margin in history. And for a guy who never left his basement, and when he did, he got, what, 30 people. Nobody can believe that Joe Biden got more votes than Barack Obama at this height. Like, I yeah. forget what it is. Right. 10 or right. 15 million mm-hmm. more. Right. You have to be insane to think that. It's just terrible. Well, you know, they say true. they say liberalism is a mental disorder, so maybe they are insane. David, before you uh, tell people how to reach you, please, you got them up on the ledge and you've, you've really laid it out like it is. Please give us some hope for the future. Well, I think you're the hope for the future. That's what I think. I, there, I, you know, I've been on other shows like yours. Uh, also, in, in every case, it's a, a black host who was a lifelong Democrat and has had the scales, you know, taken from their eyes. Uh, I, I think that, you know, the, the left can just go so far with their uh, um, spiel getting them their lies believed. Uh, that's why, why where, where did this white supremacy come from? 
How did Trump become a white supremacist? For his whole life, he was, first of all, he was one of the most right. known Amer Americans. Everybody knew who Donald Trump was. Nobody introduced Donald Trump saying he is the host of, what is it, The Apprentice. The Apprentice, and right. A white, and a white supremacist. He was he he won the NACP award along with Rosa Parks. Presented by uh, Jesse Jackson, none, none other than Jesse Jackson. <laughs> yeah, all of a sudden he's a white supremacist. Why is that? Because he's the first Republican, and believe me, I I spent twenty years trying to get Republicans to challenge the Democrats in, the, in their cities. To get, I, I proposed to Bush. I had raised a lot of money for Bush, um, the first in his first run, uh, and I said, "You got to create a hundred billion dollar." Because today it would be more, a hundred billion dollar voucher program, scholarship program, so that black parents can get their kids into schools that will teach them, and. Uh, they, they, they did nothing with it. When I took it to Trump, he made uh, vouchers part of his agenda. There you go. Um, and, you know, it's the timing. I'm with you. I, I, I think if Trump runs again, he'll, you know, he, he, he's not going to get a majority of the black vote yet. But somebody said to me, when it happens, it's going to happen en masse that you know, so if everybody around you who's black is voting for Democrats, you probably will vote for a Democrat. But once the breakthrough is made, then that, the tide is going to turn. And of course, the Democrat Party um, buys people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's got a lot. It's got a lot of perks. You know, it's not an accident that the, the Washington area, which is all government workers. <laughs> Is what ninety three percent Democrat, and they don't want to give those jobs up. Yeah, it's human corruption, which is what we knew from the beginning, because we paid attention to the Book of Genesis. Yeah, well, Dad, thank you very much for the compliment about you know I I, I just try and do my part, and you know they shadow ban me and try and block the show from getting out. But great guests like you. Just keep putting people on and just all we can do is give them the information and hope people take it and run with it. David, please tell people how to reach you and anything that you'd like to promote. Sure. Um, I'm at frontpagemag.com for frontpagemagazine or frontpagemagazine.com. I have a, a, a website called horowitzbooks.com. Uh, for, which has all of my work on it. And it's got excerpts from it and tables of contents. I've written way too much. <laughs> There's a lot of books up there. Um, that's that's the way to do it. And you can get uh, I Can't Breathe, How oh, Racial Hoax is Killing America um, on Amazon. Or you should probably, probably can get it in places like Walmart's and Costco, Target. Um, although, as, as you know, you know, I, I'm under attack all the time, so. Yeah, tell so, me about it. You know, I don't know where where I'm being banned. They don't let you go to Martha's Vineyard anymore, do they? Yeah, actually, you know, I've got, I must have been. Have I been at Martha's Vineyard? Yeah, I did a book on the Kennedys. 
I I was at Hyannis Sport, but uh, yeah, I'm not. I was never part of the elite. My parents were unmoved high school teachers. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, it's amazing how you how you turn your life around because a lot of people can't do this and don't do this. Well, it comes at a price. Um, I don't know why I I I was not. Um, into, oh, I, you know, look, <laughs> it was, uh, uh, was it Aristotle in one of the dialogues with Socrates so, is about uh, courage uh, or bravery. And Socrates said, you have to make a distinction between courage and ignorance. <laughs> if you don't know the risk, uh, not that I didn't know a lot of them, but if you don't know the risks, you can't be counted brave. So we, my, I had a writing partner, Peter Collier, and we wrote a book about the Rockefellers that was a New York Times bestseller. Um, and then we wrote a book about the Kennedys, and it was a number one bestseller. And after we wrote the book about the Kennedys, I got a call from the editor of the Washington Post magazine, who wanted to pick my brain about Joe Kennedy Jr., who was, was a third, I guess, who was a congressman. Um, and then he just threw off, what have you guys been doing lately? And I said, you'll never believe this. We just <laughs> Ronald Reagan. So, oh, he said, that's a good story. So they printed it as a cover of, of the Washington Post magazine. Under the title "Lefties for Reagan," our title had been "Better Ron Than Red." <laughs> Better Ron Than and, Red. And uh, and uh, Peter said to me, he said, "Our literary careers are over." <laughs> and I said, you "Just getting started." And no, he was right. That I, was it. We were we were front page New York Times book review. That's the premier spot for a book in right. the country. And after that, the time we, we, we didn't exist. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you exist now, and that's, that's but, the yeah. big thing. Yeah, there's life after divorce. Well, there is here because you, you found your way and, you know, God, family, country, constitution, that's what I'm about. And I know you love this country and we got to keep this constitution going and you've got to keep going. You've got to keep doing what you're doing because we need voices like you. And one of the things you have is incredible credibility because you've been on the other side, you've been on the dark side and you know from whence they come. David, I really appreciate you coming back on. You're always welcome to come on the show. Thank you, Jerry. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Same to you. Hey, same with you, because we got to keep this thing going. And as you said, just flipping one vote, getting one heart at a time, and the and the ground, the groundwork, you know, that that grassroots movement is just so important to get this going. Once again, thank you. David Horowitz, right. everybody. Mr. David Horowitz bringing the heat like only he can do. I want to thank David Horowitz for sharing information that only a person who has been entrenched at both ends of the political spectrum could even fathom, much less articulate. We're glad that David found his way from communism to conservatism. 
This podcast is available for download at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. That's it for this podcast. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you, God bless your families, and God bless America.